Let's go ahead and get started again. Um, it, it's it's been a I, I, it's been a pleasure. I've been watching your eyes as we've been talking, and it seems like it seems like most of you are fairly interested in what we're talking about. And I'm really uh, I'm really amazed that after a long week and a, on a Friday after Friday evening uh, that where it's going to go, you know, at 8:44 that that anybody would want to be anywhere but here, maybe. And so. Um, just, just humbling that you're kind of paying attention like you are and, and hoping that, that uh, our conversation, our conversation together will, um, will matter in your lives and, and your story. Um, we, we talked about a high purpose person um, or a high purpose story. Have you ever watched a movie and at the end of the movie you thought, what a waste of my time? I mean, what? What was the purpose of that movie? What, I mean, what was that about? We, now, um, we watched the, the other night. Um, we watched, and, and it's—I um, wouldn't—we'd uh, never seen it in the movie theaters, and it won a bunch of Oscars and stuff. And so we were at home, and it was Mona and I, and we thought, "Let's watch this movie." And, and many of you are just more sophisticated than me, and you'll say, "Well, yes, it was a great movie about every man or something," but. It, it, but I, but I, it was it was horrible because at the end it was like there was no redemption there was no um, and it was um, no country for older men or something like that but old men don't have a country old 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 men are looking for a place to live um, old men need to find a home I, something but I remember now it's okay if you like that movie it's okay if you like that story. But, but all of us have left a story feeling very unsatisfied because the question was, what was its purpose? What difference did that make? And, and you'll go, did I just spend two hours or $14 um, or whatever to, to endure that? What, what, what good would that do? Um, and, and that's that idea of purpose. The, the gospel... God invites us to live a story with purpose. Um, let me tell you, can I just tell you a, a story that is one of the reasons, it's, it's stories that make me believe that it, I know that I know that it's true. Um, can I tell you just a real quick story about, that makes, one of those stories that makes me know that I believe that God is, that, that it's real. Uh, my daughter Kim now, Kim um, came to us about eight or nine years ago. And, and here's how this story goes. And it's just an amazing story. You can't make this up. You just really can't. There has to be an author. It was C.K. Chesterton who said that. If there's going to be a story, there has to be a storyteller. And he's talking about the nature of life. One of the great proofs of God is the idea that, that, that our stories are so amazing and interesting and complex that you just couldn't make it all up. And haven't you been at some point in your life, sometimes good points, sometimes horrific points, where you go, you just couldn't make this up. I mean, how did I end up here? How is this where my story is? Well, such is the story of Kim. And Kim, there's a program at, at, at Winter Springs High School where my son was going to school at the time called Best Buddies. Do they have a program like that here? What they do is they put special needs kids with 
with regular kids, and they just go to classes together, or they just hang out together, they'll eat lunch together. And it's a great idea, except it, it often doesn't work. Um, and the reason it doesn't work is that the regular kids don't really want to eat with the special needs kids every day, and it, it just, it's just not that cool. And, um, and so every year, they make a big deal about signing up everybody, and so we always try to lower Skylar's expectations and say, Skylar, you know these kids are going to be really busy, and, and they may not be able to come. And, and so um, it, was, it was time again for Best Buddies, and, they, and we signed Skylar up, and all of a sudden we start hearing about Kim. And Kim would, you know, I did this with Kim, and I did this with Kim, and Pierce, my other son, comes home one day and says, I don't get it. Skylar is sitting at a table with a bunch of beautiful girls, I can't get them to talk to me. I can't get these girls to talk to me. What is going on? And so we just had to figure out, we just had to meet Kim. So we invite Kim to come to our house for dinner on a Monday night. And she showed up, found out what I did for a living. And, and just listen to this. I'm, I'm not making this up. She goes, oh, I'd like to be a missionary. I just don't believe in God. And I, and I said, well, that sounds kind of like a tourist. And she said, <laughs> and, and, and she said, she just, she said, looked at me in the eyes and said, I want to give people hope, even if there's nothing to have hope in. Oh, I thought, there's a story that I need to know that would make her care about a special needs kid, say she wanted to help other people, though she doesn't think that's a story for her. And I think I said something like, well, what if there is something to have hope in? And she goes, oh, I don't know. I just don't believe that. Well, that was nine years ago. Um, Kim has since become a missionary. She went to Sri Lanka for six months to work with orphans, as you can imagine. Um, she loves Jesus. Graduated from UF last, last May. Um, and is getting married in December. Um, and she would tell you that Skylar Cofield led her to Jesus. Um, and, and it's like, only, only a God... Someone had to make, you, somebody had to tell that story. Somebody had to, to write that story. That somehow randomly, she would be paired with Skylar. Um, is, that, that was just, and the person that was supposed to be with Skylar was absent that day. And so they just kind of put her with us. It was almost a year before we realized that she'd been abandoned by her mother and she and her brother were living with an elderly lady that they were, he was a waiter at Carabas. He's a little bit older than her. And they were just living on their own as a 10th grader. Um, and, and that's how that story would have ended. If there wasn't an author, just on the other side of the curtain, that was writing a story of glory a story of hope. It was that same year she, um, she went to, a, and she paid a pretty high price um, to get rides and to make it. They didn't have a lot of money. 
But she was smart and cute, and she's still smart and cute. Um, But she's no longer an orphan. Um, And her, her guidance counselor told her she snuck in to get into AP classes, and she wasn't supposed to be there. Um, the guidance counselor pulled her out and said, you don't belong in those classes. If you re- work real hard, maybe you could be an assistant manager at Burger King. And, and, and if any of you work at Burger King, that's great. I'm not at all putting that down as a job. I'm just saying um, that, um, that God was writing a very different story for her. And, and I got to be on the front, end, the front end of a story like that. Um, and when you... When you when you get a front row seat of a story like that, you go, oh, he, he really is writing a good story. He is writing a redemptive story. You need to be careful where you stop the story. Because if you stop a story too early, almost all stories are tragedies. You've got to be careful where you stop the story. If you stop the story before the resurrection, you have a, a tragic story. If you stopped Kim's story, um, a, a ninth grade, tenth grade girl by herself, um, that's a tragedy. You got to be careful where you stop the story. What happens to a lot of us is we stop the story, we stop believing, we stop, start, stop hoping, and... Um, and we quit, um, we quit hoping or believing that the story could have a different ending um, because we stopped the story too early. And uh, just be aware of that. Um, every story stopped early is a tragedy. I think one of the reasons God hates divorce, I'm sure there's lots of reasons, I think one of the reasons he hates divorce is because the stories quit being told about the family. They don't talk about, kids don't talk about how mom and dad met anymore. There's not stories about, about first Christmases and uh, they just quit telling the stories. And there's something sad about stories that don't get told. Something sad about stories that never get finished. Be aware, um, as we talk about stories this week, and um, you can't really understand a story going forward. You can't connect the dots going forward. It was um, Kierkegaard who said that we live life forward, but we understand it looking back. And and, and the idea that, that it's hard to sometimes understand or to see what God is doing unless you look back and so much a very minor theme throughout all of scripture is the idea of remember, remember, remember. Um, because there's, because when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of the story, when you're in the middle of the tragedy, when you're in the middle of the brokenness, it's easy to forget his faithfulness in the past. It's one of the admonitions in scripture is to Remember. Remember, because you can only connect the dots when you look back. You can't connect the dots looking forward. Does that make sense? So, high purpose. You want to you tell a story, 
that is high purpose. You know, the reason that um, I got really upset once with my son Pierce because he wanted to hang out with some people that weren't very, that weren't Christians. And uh, we were, you know, we were doing our family and he was wanting to hang out with some Christian, with some people that were kind of living a, a real different life. And, and he seemed pretty enamored by their family. And, and I was, I, I got pretty upset with him. And, and Mona pulled me aside and said, don't, don't you see? Their family's telling a better story. They've got a place at the beach. They're enjoying each other. Even though they're not Christians, they're connecting really well. And here is, here Pierce would be with uh, his special needs brother that he's kind of tired of sometimes. And you always asking how he feels. (laughs) He's just going for a better story. And I think... I think the reason we're losing this generation in the church is that they think a better story can be had out there than here. And they believe that the the stories that they're being told in media and in in their subgroups seem to be a much more compelling story than the story they're hearing when they show up at church. And I don't mean we're supposed to compete. I don't, and it doesn't mean we're supposed to, you know, do interpretive dance while we tell, our, tell about Jesus. But somehow, and, and, and I think you'll always lose if you think that that means we're supposed to entertain people better. Because I think the world will always be able to entertain people better than us. But there's not a more compelling story than a God who redeems. Kim was headed for destruction. And she graduated from college and she's working with kids at risk. And she's been a missionary in Sri Lanka to orphans. And she's getting married. I mean, that's a good story. We don't we don't tell the stories. We don't think about the things the way that God tells them. Can I tell you one more story kind of like that that just makes me know that God's true? And then we'll get back to the notes. About three years ago, Mona, uh, for, and note, husbands, young husbands never do this, never do what I'm about to say. But she asked for this, so I gave her for her birthday a, a physical training or a, a personal trainer. Don't do that unless they ask for that. If you give your wife a personal trainer as a gift, that's not a good thing. It was like, hey, listen, honey, I, I, for happy birthday, here's a gift for you, a personal trainer. But that's not what, so do not do that unless they ask for that. She asked for that, and so there's a, there's a Planet Fitness near our house, and so I, I set it up and gave her a, a, and just randomly, she was assigned a trainer. Now, 
this trainer, um, um, her name was Courtney, and Courtney uh, and Mona got to, I mean, Mona just is a great person, and she just doesn't meet a stranger, and she's just real friendly sort of person. Um, and so they just got talking whenever they'd train, and, um, and one day they, she said that she was pregnant, and Mona told her, you know, be careful uh, while you're pregnant, don't drink, or, you know, she kind of went through her deal, and because part of Skylar's Autism, part of his, his deal is that his birth mother, Skylar's adopted, and his birth mother drank, and, and that created part of his problem. And Simona will get on that soapbox because she thinks Skylar's paid a pretty high price for that. Are, are you with me? Is this okay? I'm just telling a story, but it's a great story. Just stay with me for just a little bit. Uh, you know, this, this just, this, um, if, if after you hear this, this doesn't turn you on, you don't have switches because it's just an amazing story. <laughs> So she's, she's training with this lady, and this lady says, uh, well, how do you know so much about, about you know, babies? And she says, well, I have a son that was adopted. She goes, oh, I have an aunt who adopted it, who, who put a child up for adoption. Mm. Well, Mona said, well, um, Skylar's birth mother died. And so, you know, that probably wouldn't be your... And her eyes got big. She said, what's her name? And Mona was being trained by Skylar's birth cousin. What are the odds of that? I mean, I'm getting ready to sign up for Jerry Springer. Now it gets even wilder. (laughs) She starts hanging around our family. And not because of anything I do, I guarantee you that, but mostly just because of Mona decided, and she uh, recommitted her life, started going to church, and um, talked about marriage with her boyfriend that she was pregnant with, and decided, and, and, I mean, it was just, it was this great redemption going on in her life. And so one day, and this, is, this is a wild story, you won't believe it, but just hang on. So she's back at the gym working, and she, she's changing. I mean, because instead of kind of being this party animal, she's now pregnant, and she's talking about Jesus. And, and you know, so the other trainers are going, what's going on? And, and so, she, so Courtney starts telling this other trainer the story. She says, well, you know, I met this person, and they were, you know, it's kind of crazy, but they are my, they are, their son is my uh, cousin. Um, because my aunt who passed away put her child up for adoption and that was um, and this guy that she's known for years says to her I've never told anybody but I'm adopted that's really interesting who was your birth mother now they'd known each other for years they'd worked at this gym together I'm not making this up it's Skyler's brother. The aunt put two kids up for adoption and did them secretly, but the, birth, the, the sons that she put up for adoption all knew the name of their birth mother because they were given a letter. But everything else was closed. And so all of a sudden, we're... <laughs> and I... You can't make this up. All of a sudden, in my living room is, I mean, 
is Schuyler's birth cousin and brother who didn't know he had a brother and she didn't know that she had two cousins and the other and, and this guy has kind of come in and out of our lives but the other day I wrote him and said I just said to him I won't say his name but I said listen I don't think it was an accident that we met and um, I think I do think God put you in our lives for a reason I'm not sure why but don't run from us because um, he's kind of been, it's, it's been kind of weird for him. I mean, you can imagine, that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, that's not like, that's a story you, and he wrote back and said, yeah, I, I, I've, uh, I need to, I need to figure all this out. So we're in the middle of this wild story that, and now, I mean, I'm a professor at a seminary and I don't change anybody's life. My son, who's autistic, who's forever seven years old, has, is, the, is the best evangelist I know and, and, and probably the best theologian around and it's just a, an amazing deal. You see, I think when we get to heaven, one of the many things that will blow us away is the way that God told our stories and wove our lives together like a tapestry. The fact that all of you are in this room and we serve a sovereign God and nobody's here by accident, wow, what a woven tapestry that is. What a God we serve that would weave together a story that would put all of us in this room at this time. And I think when we get to heaven, one of the many things that will just absolutely blow us out of the tub, I mean, that'll just say, oh my goodness. I mean, it'll be, it'll be, when the tapestry will be turned back and you'll see the, the, just the amazing craftsmanship of a great author that will have woven our stories in such a way that he did. And I just think one thing you want to do is you want to start developing a curiosity to begin to see that story unfolding now. And so part of the reality of Remember is to look back so that you have some sense of the way that God is weaving his story in your life. Does, does that make sense? Um, so let's, oh, I, I left out that a, a good story in terms of setting would have high fun. Uh, let me talk about that for just a minute and then I'll... Um, Two, two kind of announcement sort of things. If any of you have any questions, if you say, what about this? Or um, what about this? Or I'm, had somebody asked me a question during the break that was, I'm struggling a little bit with feeling dead on the inside. Um, I'm, I'm being faithful. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm feeling dead on the inside. And you could tell he was feeling a lot of shame for that. Like, you know, that he wanted to kind of beat himself up for that. And I, I said, why don't you, instead of feeling shame for that, why don't you read that? What do you think God might be doing? Because remember, God made us to be more passionate than dutiful. I mean, we're made in his image, a passionate God. And so we're supposed to be more dutiful than, we're supposed to be more passionate than dutiful. And if all we are is dutiful, there's something that he wants to weave in and add into that story, is there not? And so, um, so that's such a good question. I just thought it was just a great question. 
And I thought, boy, that, that, I think we could all learn from a question like that. And so if you have a question, if you wanted like, you know, what year was the War of 1812? I mean, some, it could be a simple question. <laughs> or it could be a question about story. Just write it down, and, and you just set it up here, and then and we'll, we'll kind of start our sessions. Um, each time we kind of start our sessions, we'll just do a little bit of question and answer, and we'll kind of just touch base about things, because I'm hoping that things will be stirred up a little bit as we think through these things that will engender questions. And if we spend the whole weekend with just me talking, I'll enjoy that, but you won't. <laughs> and so I really want it to be kind of more, more than that. So if you have a question, just r jot it down. Don't put your name on it. You don't have to put a $5 bill in it or anything. Just put it and set it here, and we'll, and we'll just chat about, about your question. Does that make sense? All right, so um, let's talk about the fourth thing that I suggested should, that should be in a good story. Um, we, we said that a good story should be high warmth, should be low conflict or not high conflict. It should be uh, high purpose. And the last would be that it would be high fun. Um, and I just want to, you know, one of the criticisms that a lot of people have about us as Christians is that we're not fun. Now, I don't mean that we need to pretend to be fun. I think sometimes we do that by like having our own Halloween that's not near as interesting as everybody else's Halloween. <laughs> you know, where, where we go, it's Reformation Day, we're gonna all dress like, like reformers. And, um, <laughs> you know, and your 10-year-old kid goes, all my, all my friends are dressing like Star Wars characters and getting candy and I'm getting Bible verses and dressed like Luther. Um, but, so I don't mean, when I say that, when I say high fun, I don't mean some sort of, some sort of Christian ghetto fun that is just not really fun. But I mean, we're, please hear this, please hear this, I'm not trying to be offensive. We're the only people who can laugh, who can belly laugh because we know how the story ends. We're the only people who can live with, a, um, with hope and not feel foolish. That should give us a sense of, that should give us a sense of, of some level of joy <coughs> that, 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 that ought to come across in the way that we live. We ought to have fun together. Um, when I first saw this research and I brought it home to Mona and I said, how are we doing? And that's one of the questions I'm going to ask you in just a few minutes. I'm going to give you some homework tonight. Is I said, how do we do in these four indices? And we're pretty, we're a fairly high warmth family and we're, we're kind of a low conflict family, I think. And, and we, we have high purpose. And I'm really fun. <laughs> And Mona is really fun. But 28 years of tag team parenting, do you, do you know what I mean by that? Um, uh, for those of that are young parents, you're doing that right now. Um, and, and it's good to be in Georgia where the reference tag team will mean something. You'll understand what that means. But you know, you know in wrestling, in wrestling, that the sport of kings, um, in, in wrestling, what they do in the, in the fake wrestling world, they, what they'll do is, 
is when, not, did, I, did I say it was fake? It's not fake, I'm sorry. Um, what they do, what they do is like, you know, somebody's getting the stew beat out of them and they're just like, you know, and it looks like they're gonna lose the match and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of hanging over there and, and, they're, and the other guy is, you know, his, his partner and all they have to do is touch and once they touch, the other guy jumps in and beats the tar out of the guy, the other guy. And so, so they're just doing this and, and then the referee looks the other way and then they hit him and, and so he jumps in and, and then, the, then they tag team and the, one, the other one leaves and, and rests and, and then they, they beat up the deal. Well, tag team parenting takes place when kids are young. Um, what, what happens is one parent has been with the kid most of the day, the kids, um, plural or singular, it doesn't matter. Um, and th they will take you to their capacity. Um, and, and then in comes the other parent. I mean, and, it, and there's this look. There's this look that can only be described as desperation on steroids. And it's, it's like, please, please, if you have any dignity left in you, you will come and take this child from me. And you will rescue me from the days of poop and spit up. And, 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 and usually, the, whoever the other parent is, the, often the husband comes, will, will see that and go, this is serious. Um, <laughs> my marriage is hanging in the balance in this very moment. And, and they rush over and they grab the kid and, the other, and they, they say, well, I got it, here we go. And then they run off and, feel, and, and, and it's tag team parenting. And you do that for a couple of years, and that's, that's really kind of cool. But we've been doing that for 28 years. Um, the reason I charge to come to these is because I, I, you don't pay me to speak. You pay me to leave my family. And you pay Mona to take care of Skylar all weekend by herself. And that's really what happens. And so we looked at each other, we said, you know, we're both fun people. One of the things that kind of attracted us to each other was our fun, but because of life circumstances, we just aren't living a fun story. And if you're gonna tell a story that is compelling, if you're gonna tell a story that looks a little bit like the gospel, there ought to be some joy in it. Because the gospel, you know, this book ends at a wedding feast. Um, there's great joy. And somehow, if we're gonna tell a story that, that, that shadows, that, that looks a little bit like the gospel story with our lives, it has to be a story with joy. And so you wanna think, how's you, how does your family do with fun? Do you have fun together? Do you laugh together? Do you enjoy doing stuff together? And the answer so often, with, like I think with couples, is not as much anymore. We get our own separate things that we'd like to do, and it's okay to have some things you like to do by yourself, but, but do you have fun together? Um, Mona took this too seriously, and, uh, and she, just, she signed us up for salsa lessons. <laughs> she found a Groupon thing. That, 
that we got 10 salsa lessons for $30. You can imagine the quality of those salsa lessons. And um, I said, great idea, Mona, let's go. Now, the difference is Mona's a good dancer. One of us as a couple's not. Um, and so we went to salsa dancing together. Um, it, it was so bad. Um, do you remember when you were in the eighth grade? And they made, and you had to read out loud. And you, what you would do is you would count the count the paragraphs or the sentences, and then you'd practice your sentence so that you would, when it got to your turn, you'd be able to read it. Well, this was group salsa dancing, and so they would move the partners. And I'm standing there, and I saw a woman counting. To see, and then thinking, I wonder what she's counting. And she stopped at me. And I realized she was counting to see how long it would be before she'd have to be with me. Because I was just like, you know, and the guy said, Use your hips, your hips. And I'm going, I, I don't even know how to use my feet. We've, we've laughed. She only made me do two of them. <laughs> they still owe us eight lessons. <laughs> We've laughed. Sometimes you got to get serious about fun. A way to say that more biblically is sometimes you need to get serious about joy. Because God's story has joy in it. Um, we even take the joy out of, I mean, uh, um, well, just to say, when you think about your friendship, when you think about you as a person, are you somebody who's fun to be around? And you don't have to fake something. You don't have to go read a joke book. But are you enjoyable? And if you're not, figure out why you're not. Because it's hard to tell a compelling story with your life if nobody wants to sit with you. It's hard to tell a compelling story in your life if everybody knows you as the person who's against everything. Don't be that person. If you want to have good relationships, you've got to quit being, we've got to quit being so reactive. Relationally, if you want to if you want to do better in relationships, you've got to be you've got to there's there's a couple of skills you've got to develop, and one is low reactivity. There's a reason that you don't see porcupines huddled together <laughs> on Disney movies because porcupines are highly reactive animals, and so they don't huddle together. Don't be a highly reactive animal. I mean. Just don't be that person. And, and, and don't, don't hide behind, well, somebody's got to tell the people the truth. Well, maybe it doesn't need to be you. And maybe if you weren't so obnoxious, people wouldn't listen to you telling the truth. And so 
one of the skills you want to develop in your story is, is a relational skill set that allows you to connect to people. And so you want to have low reactivity. You also need to have uh, the ability to risk for the sake of growth. You ever seen a couple, an older couple together and a younger couple together kind of at the same restaurant? And this young couple, they're just jabbering. They're just talking. They're just talking. And then you see the old couple and they're just sitting there. And, and you go, oh, how sad. <laughs> no, it's not sad. The truth is that older couple have communicated very well. They have, they have listened to each other very well and they've communicated well enough to kind of know what they can't talk about. And as time goes on, feelings have been hurt and life's been hard, and they don't talk about certain things out of respect for each other. And that's a natural tendency, and that's not a sign a marriage is in trouble. It's a sign that at some level of marriage, people have respected each other to know we can't bring that up. But at that point, a couple hits a plateau, and somebody needs to risk for the sake of growth and go back into, let's have those conversations. Yeah, yeah we, we, we couldn't talk about money a few years ago. We can now. We've grown and we don't talk about sexuality, but we can now. We've grown. And, and so you've got to be willing to risk for the same growth. Third thing, real quick, about, about just what you want to develop to have good relationships. Not only do you want to be low reactivity, you want to be, be able to risk for the same growth. You need to understand that your emotions are your responsibility, not somebody else's. You've got to know where you begin and the other person ends. You've got to be able to become close to somebody and not lose yourself in the process. Now, this is bad grammar, what I'm about to say. But it's decent theology. In the Trinity, which is the picture of relationship, Jesus does not lose his Jesusnessness as he is one with the Father and the Spirit. And the father doesn't lose his distinctive fatherness as he is one with the son and the spirit. That's a picture for you and I created in his image. Healthy people become close to another and they don't lose their own individual sense in the process of that. The two become one. And as the two become one and become healthy, that means that, that doesn't mean that they become a, a blob. It means they become more uniquely who they were created and connected. That'll just, you know, that'll just kind of blow up our thinking a little bit. But, but if you're going to become, what happens to many of us is we don't do well with relationships because we lose our individuality when we come close to somebody. We don't know how to be ourselves when we're connecting to somebody else. Or we don't know how to connect with somebody. We fall off one side or the other. You just develop the skill of becoming connected to somebody and not losing yourself. Does that make sense? All right. Um, so the last thing about setting would be the idea of having fun. So tonight, um, I, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to take those four things in setting. I want you to take 
high fun, low conflict, high warmth, and high purpose. Thank you. Just wanted to see if you're listening. Um, and high purpose. And I want you to kind of think in terms of a scale of one to 10. And I want you to rate yourselves. Now, how do you do that? If you're here, you, you can do it a couple different ways. You can do it individually and just say, how am I with those, things, with those skills with other people in general? That's not a bad thing to do. If you're here and you're married, and, 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 and don't, don't beat up each other. This is not a beat up each other weekend. Uh, and, and if you say, well, I think we're a two, and they say, I think we're an eight, that's okay. I mean, we're just, we're just trying to figure out who we are. This is kind of like, you know the, at the mall, the map that says you are here? You know, it's just got the little star and you go, that you are here? That's kind of all this is. You don't need to feel bad. You don't need to go, oh, we're a one, we're a one, we're a one, we're a zero. Oh, that's no, okay. You're just looking at the map and going, here's where we are. Because you can't move the story to there until you got to understand where the story is. You see, a good story doesn't just start out of the air. The good story starts from the history that you have. And so therefore, if you're going to write a better story, if you want a better ending for your story than you think you're about to have, then you need to pick up the story from where it's been. And so a good way to kind of get that in terms of setting is to think about these four things and put a, put a number with it. Now, you can do it as a family. You can do it as a couple. You can do it as an individual. You can do it as a team. But I want you to at least get a sense of how you do in these areas. My guess is, my guess is if you do it as a couple and you're a low warmth, um, if you're a low warmth, low fun couple, you're probably a low warmth, low fun family and you're probably a low warmth, low fun person in other places because we, we tend to recreate our story everywhere we go. You know, I'll have people say, well, you know, the only person I do this with is my, is when I'm here with the kids. And I go, well, yeah, rarely is that true. The reason counseling works when it does is because the way the person is out there, they eventually are in the counseling room. And so if they're obnoxious and egotistical out there, they'll be that way in the counseling room. You say, well, you know. The other day I was talking to a man who... Um, um, and, who's, and, and I watched he and his wife fight. They were doing marriage counseling, and I was just seeing him by himself. And uh, I said, you know what you've done? You've recreated with me the very thing you have with your wife. Because I want to kick you in the shin right now. <laughs> and he looked at me, and I said, no, I think, I think you need to own the fact that the way you act, the way you push people away makes people either want to give up with you or kick you in the shin. And since I don't want to give up on you because I think you're a good man, I want to kick you in the shin. And you know what? That's the same thing you did with your wife. Now, I think it's time for us to change that. Now, what happened? Who he was out there is who he was in here. And my guess is you can do this in, individually, as a couple, as a family, and as a work group. And for the most part, the numbers might change a little bit. You might be a six here and a five there, but I'll bet you there's going to be the same tendency in most of those places. But at least if you're married, do it with your wife or husband. And so tonight, first bit of homework, there's a second piece of homework coming. 
just like a professor, come to a thing. It's 10, you know, we're going to get out of here at midnight. No, we're not. We're going to get out of here in just a little bit. And he gives us homework to do. Um, but the first thing I want you to do is just kind of get a kind of a you are here moment with. Now, if you're, not, if you're here by yourself and you're single and you go, yeah, it's just like the church forgetting the singles. They don't care about us. <laughs> It's okay. Just talk to your friend and say, hey, here's how I think I do with this. You know, it, it's okay. Um, and, 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 and remember, the issue here is not beating each other up. We're just not interested in that. So if you say, I think we're low conflict, and your friend says, you're high conflict, <laughs> just listen to him. Say, huh. I, and instead of defending yourself, Instead of defending yourself, be curious. I want somebody who cares about you see you so differently. Maybe you could learn from them. They may be wrong, but at least well, they may be right. And so the first bit of homework is for you to take those four indices of setting that we talked about, of kind of telling a good story. And in our good stories, a good movie, a good story, a story of redemption, and ultimately God's story is going to be a story that talks, that has high warmth, Resolving conflict or, or um, productive conflict. We'll talk about conflict tomorrow more fully. Um, high fun and high purpose. Does that make sense? All right. There's one other thing I'd like you to do um, for tonight. Is I'd like you to, what we're going to do tomorrow is we're going to do a storyboard now, all, all that is, is, is when people in, in Hollywood and in, when, they, when they write movies, um, and Georgia is the second, is the third leading place to do movies now in the country. I guess you all know that, I guess. Um, when they do movies, they do storyboards. And, and all a storyboard is, is it kind of says, let's put the plot in it. Let's put the high points and the low points of, this, of the story. Let's kind of put the story out and let's kind of get a, a broad story board, a, a, an idea, the arc of the story. And we could do that with the Bible. We could do this big arc of this Bible that begins with creation and then there's fall and then there's, uh, the, there's the living in the fall the, and then there's the, the redemption of Christ and then there's the the, the knowing and meeting Christ, and then there's the denouement. We can talk about that redemptive, that redemptive history of, of, of the Bible. Um, but I would, I'd like, we're going to do a storyboard of our own lives. And so what you, need to, what you need to do tonight is you need to come up with high points and low points of, of your life. Now, um, if you're 20 years old, or around, you know, if you're under 20 or around 20, you want to come up with maybe five to seven high points and five to seven low points. And by the way, let's just assume that meeting Jesus is everybody's high point, <laughs> and let's assume giving birth to your children is everybody's high point, or at least. Having children, maybe not giving birth to them would be the high point. That would be the low point. Um, and, and let's try to avoid what I would call um, 
um, maybe Christian candy coating our stories. Have you ever read a Christian biography? You know, that, that, that just makes, makes a person sound like they never struggled with anything. And, you know, I, uh, I got so enamored by story. I went to a, a workshop that they do in Hollywood uh, in New York. And I went to the one out in, in, uh, in Hollywood. And uh, it was really funny because everybody, everybody there were writers. Uh, they were, you know, writers for Pixar and all those sort of things. And, and I was one of the oldest people in the audience. And they all thought I was an important producer. <laughs> and so whenever we would have a break, they would come up to me and, and they'd go, well, how are you doing? And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and I, would, I would be nice to them. And then they would, you know, try to say, so, uh, what projects are you working on? And, uh, and I would say, well, I'm a psychologist from Florida and I, I love stories because I'm a, uh, I think that that's how God tells life. And, uh, and I was just here to learn about story. And then they would just walk away. I mean, it was, it was like, by the end of the, the little seminar, no one talked to me. I was the old man that would just seemed weird. Um, it was fascinating to hear a secular person who studied story their whole life talk about, um, talk about narrative. And here's what he said. Somebody asked him about Christian movies. And, and you know what he said? He said, I hate Christian movies because Christian movies don't let people struggle enough so that when they finally get redemption, it matters. And I thought, first of all, it was good to hear a secular person use the word redemption. I thought, that's our word. You know, that's what we know about. You know, and it was kind of wild to hear him talk about the idea that a good story is about redemption. I thought, boy, you've stumbled on what is true because that's what God's stories are about. But it's fascinating, fascinating three days. But what he said was Christians don't tell good stories because they don't, um, they don't let struggle. They, they're, they're not good at what he would call act two. Act two in a good story or a good movie is when it looks like the hero's going to lose. It looks like there's not enough bullets in the gun. It looks like Darth Vader is going to win. It looks like Frodo will never make it to Mount Mordor or wherever it is he went. I mean, that's that angst. But if you were going to tell a story where love wins, where God wins in glory and redemption as the final act, you would tell it in such a way that there's a moment where it's so dark that you wonder if there can be hope. And so when you come up with your five positives and five negatives or ten positives, ten negatives, for every 10 years of your life, add at least two. So you start with five to seven. If you're 30, you'll want to go, you know, seven to nine. If you're 40, you'll want to go, <laughs> math skills are really good. <laughs> Ad adding two seems very, very difficult at 10.35 at night. 
but just add, for every decade of your life, add two more high, two, two more high, two more low. Does that make sense? So you start with five and then go up from there. And what I, and what I, and what I want you to do is write the, just the positive events of your life, the negative events in your life that make up the story of your life, the turns of your life, those moments where things changed. I sometimes call those hinge moments in a, in a, in a story where everything on the other side is it that you know, changes. It's when the, the hobbits leave the shire. It's when, you know, it's that moment where, where things change. And I want you to come up with those for your own life. Um, and, and I'd like you to spend a little bit of time thinking about that. We, we were, we're going to go. We're going to go about ten more minutes, so we'll get out of here about fifteen minutes early, um, so you can get home by ten and and take a take a few minutes and and really think about you know think about this this, this story that God's writing with your life. See, God God's been writing your story for a long time. And for many of us, this is the first time you've thought about that perfect, purposeful author who's been pinning your story from before you were even conceived. And so take a little bit of time and give it the honor that it deserves to kind of say, here have been the high points and the low points of my story. Um, because what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look at that. This will be under the idea of plot. We're going to be looking at the idea of what's the theme of your story. And, um, and we'll talk about how the negative things might be redeemed, how the positive things might be celebrated. You know what we do instead of that? If we don't look at our stories, what we tend to do is whatever good things happen in our lives, we try to create a world where those keep happening or those, I won't live unless I get those. And those start to become our addictions and our idols. And then the negative things in our lives, we start saying, I will do anything I can to avoid those things. And those become the dark vows of our lives. That I'll never be there again. I will never let somebody, I will never have that happen or I will never be made foolish, feel, felt foolish again. And so the, the dark places in our lives and the beautiful places in our lives often will feed our idolatries and our broken vows. And so it's kind of important that you know those. Does that make sense? So there's some kind of fun homework tonight. Um, we, are, we are created by a storyteller. <laughs> I believe it was C.K. Chesterton who said that we know God loves us because he loves stories. We are created by a storyteller who's telling his great story of glory and he created you to be a part of that story. So tonight, your job is to get reconnected with his grand narrative. And so, real simple. First, where are you in terms of setting? There's a lot of... Um, uh, there's so many bad movies that have a bad setting. 
They just weren't, and, and therefore it didn't work as a story. There's even comedies, you know, the Saturday Night Live. Remember 30 years ago, many of you don't remember this, and that's okay. There was a character, a guy, John Belushi, he's long been dead, but they had a skit, an ongoing skit called the Samurai, you know, and so he was like the Samurai laundry, laundry, laundry worker. And so you come in a dry cleaners and all of a sudden, you know, he comes out in samurai thing and starts hitting. I mean, it was, it was stupid. It was just really stupid stuff. And it would be like the samurai baker. And you'd come into a bakery and he'd come out dressed in his samurai stuff and start, you know, and, and that there was this recurring skit for years where, where John Belushi would come out and, 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 and the reason it was funny is it was a, it was a twist on a bad setting. It was the idea of, you, you wouldn't put a samurai as the center of a story about a dry cleaner. You wouldn't put a samurai at a car wash. You wouldn't put a, and that's why it was supposedly funny. At least supposedly, that's why it was. And so I want you to think about setting for your story tonight. So the four indices I wanted you to look at were the idea of, of, of the setting of a story. That's your first bit of homework. Second bit of homework is to come up with high points and low points for the, for the storyboard tomorrow. Okay? It's 941, and that gives you, if, if you'd like, um, if you'd like, it might not be a bad idea just to sit at your table and, and work on some of that for a few minutes. If, if, you know, if you've got babysitters till 10. Um, but... Um, and I was going to just let you talk about that between each other, but um, I, I probably used a little bit too much time for that. Tomorrow, we're going to have interaction times at the tables together around some of the, some of the stuff that we're talking about. Any questions? If you have any questions about stuff, you can put it there, and we'll look at those tomorrow. you got two pieces of homework to do to write your stories tonight. Let me pray for us, and we're finished for the evening. Father, thanks for this privilege. We are humbled to think that you've gone to the trouble to write a story that includes us. We know it's ultimately your story. We know it's ultimately about your glory and your grand purposes. But you've included us in that. And so tonight, as we go, would you go with us Father, I pray for the people that, that as they wrestle with these things that you would be gentle to them as they think about it. For couples as they talk about it, that they would be gentle with each other. And that all of us would be enamored by the kind of stories you tell. Pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen.